What? It's Christmas. We are in a series called Unwrapped, and uh, we all have our Christmas traditions, right? So, true story, uh, this actually uh, is something that we brought from Michigan two years ago. Cindy and I have matching Christmas tree hoodies, and uh, we almost got rid of them over the weekend. Uh, and I told her, actually, I think I'm going to do something with this on, on Sunday. And she's like, really? So she's, she's kind of wondering what's about to happen, and, and so are you. You see, we all wrap up Christmas in different ways, right? We have different traditions. And uh, when we were new to Vero two years ago, we showed up at our first Christmas party. And uh, we decided that, you know, everyone does ugly Christmas sweater kind of stuff. And so we showed up at this Christmas party matching like this. And you probably know where I'm going with this. Nobody else was dressed up. <laughs> Everybody else, in fact, was business casual. Uh, actually, some even put on some nicer clothes now that I know them a little better. And uh, they, I think we're trying to impress the new pastor and his wife and all of these things. And uh, we were just going, oh, what just happened? Where are we? Uh, what do we do? Now, in that moment, we didn't unwrap it. We, did, we decided we're going to own it. And so we wore it for the majority of that evening. And uh, that gives you a little glimpse into our personalities, right? But here's the thing, like, okay, that's enough, right? <laughs> it's already getting hot. Uh, so, so what are the things that, that for you, Christmas constantly is asking of you, causing you to fall back into traditions, causing you to do things that, that maybe are wrapping it up in a way that, that as we get into this series, the whole point, last week was hope, this week is faith. It's what does it look like to remove some of the stuff that we're used to, some of the traditions, while they might be fun and good, that are getting in the way, that are cluttering things, that are causing us maybe not to experience the fullness of what it is. I'm going to remind you that our vision as a church is to be the church, restoring, raising up, and reaching out. And when we have, when we remove everything else and we get clear on our vision, get clear on who Jesus is, that he's a God that comes in and establishes a people. And those people are, are a people that are being restored, that they're raising up disciples as they're discipled, and that they're reaching out to the world around them. That clarity begins to give us faith and begins to give us direction for how we live. As we further that idea today, you're wondering, well, what does that mean for me individually, right? If you, if you were to peel back the layers, unwrap everything, and get a clarity around who Jesus is and what he has for your life. And I want to tell you, when you begin a life of real faith in following Jesus, he calls you to more than you ever could do on your own. He has plans that are beyond anything you can hope and imagine, he wants to actually shape and fashion you to be like him. And sometimes we have to remove the, the other stuff to get down in to what's really going on inside. Anybody with me? Nancy uh, DeMoss Walgamoth uh, says this. She's an author. She's a radio personality. So she's national. Some of you may have heard her. Uh, Cindy and I had the privilege of getting to know her in, in southwest Michigan. And uh, she says this, it is your created purpose and ultimate destiny to be holy. From start to finish, the pathway, say pathway, because this is who we are as a church, right? 
There is a pathway of holiness that God lays out in front of us, and the only way forward on that is a life of faith. So today we're going to look at what does it mean to really have faith. We're going to unwrap faith today, and I wanted to make sure we know where faith is leading us, that it's towards this larger vision we have as a church, but then also individually what he has for us as people. As you think about that, we're going to be in the book of John, and you can turn to John chapter 6. We're actually going to start there, and then we'll be in one other section today. And uh, if you couldn't tell, I'm kind of excited about his word today. Y'all ready for this? All right. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is uh, authoritative and inspired, that it's alive and active, that it does get beneath the wrappings and the trappings of life. To, to touch our hearts, to expose the areas that you want to bring into the light. So, Father, may your word go forth today to accomplish the purpose for which you're sending it. Be the loudest voice in the room, and may you get all the glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. So in John chapter 6, uh, we're going to pick up in verse 16, and I want to give you a little bit of background here. Jesus Uh, who we're celebrating this Christmas, he's now on the move. He's, in this particular passage, he's beginning to heal and deliver. He's just fed thousands. They know that there's this miracle power, this kingdom advancing that is flowing through Jesus. In verse 15, it says that actually Jesus went onto a mountainside because he realized that because of the miracles, the crowds were ready to anoint him king, and it wasn't yet time. So he goes to a mountain to pray, and his disciples get into a boat. And as they get into that boat, they begin rowing. And this is where we pick up. It says in verse 16, When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. They got into a boat, and they started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. If you were here last week, I ended the message on this rower, and today we begin on this rower, which... Should have been tested before I came out here. You get the idea of what a rower does. And in this, last week we talked about when we get on a, in life and we get moving and we get going and we're rowing and moving and we're not being still, we're not paying attention, especially in a Christmas season, to what God is doing, to what the Holy Spirit is doing. That we miss out on his activity, we miss out on the power that he has, that it's not meant to be our strength, that our hope is in him and he fuels a hope that we're to share with the world around us. Can I get an amen? Now as that unfolds in this particular passage, they had got into a boat and as they began to row, Jesus is off at a distance. Yet again, isn't that easy for us to picture and don't we often do that? That we get moving in life, we get rowing, we get going, and we suddenly look around and we see storm, and in this case it said a large wind. My guess is that there's probably something going on in your life, whether you're online or in person, that if you're honest, feels like a raging wind, maybe a potential storm, 
Some of you feel like you can see the hurricane coming. Some of you feel like it's on you right now. I mean, the busyness of this season, the craziness of the world we live in, the darkness all around us sometimes can overwhelm us. Anybody else? So I found myself on Wednesday knowing that I was going to preach on, on faith, and I went to bed Tuesday evening, and uh, I, I went to bed just tired, kind of in that place of going, God, I, I need you. So I got up a little bit earlier than normal on Wednesday morning, and I got into this actual passage because that's where I was in, in reading through the Gospels. As I'm reading through those daily, I, I got to this passage, and it was a great moment for me personally. That as I'm sitting there and I'm going, God, there's all this stuff swirling around me. Where are you? I need you. And he's just saying, I'm coming. Will you let me in the boat? Will you let me in the boat with you? Because this is bigger than just receiving Jesus. We'll get to that in a minute. This is for those that already have received Jesus. I'm asking you the question, are you letting him into the boat to begin to have his way? To begin to do what he does. Because when we're in that position and we begin to see Jesus and find Jesus, and he, you know, there, there's an old bumper sticker, I'll date myself here, that said, Jesus is my co-pilot. Some of you remember it? Can I get a hand? Okay. Majority of the room. That's the best response I've had on something in a long time. So <laughs> we're getting somewhere. So you remember this. And, and here's the thing. Jesus was never meant to be our co-pilot. Uh-oh. He was, he's actually meant to be the pilot, the king, the Lord, the one that when he's the object of our faith and he's in the boat, did you notice what he said to them? It is I, do not be afraid. Throughout scripture are all these admonitions, don't be afraid, don't fear, don't be discouraged. There's this life of faith he calls us to. And when we begin to find him and invite him into our situations, that faith rises up and that faith allows us to follow him. And did you notice at the end of that uh, verse 21, it says, that, and immediately they were at shore? Like, wouldn't you have loved to see that speedboat move? <laughs> Like, I, I don't know if that was like instantaneous or if suddenly they just could row faster. I don't know what it was. It just says immediately. And, and maybe actually what God did was allowed the wind that they were afraid of to now be channeled and directed and aligned in a way that blew them right to shore. I don't know. But here's what I know. If you're one of those that are like, well, could Jesus really walk on water? Um, let's think about it. He created it. And, and if he created it, surely he knows what it can do. And surely he knows how to control it and to utilize it for his purposes. You see, we've got to remember who we're placing our faith in. We've got to remember to stop rowing and find Jesus in the season and to give him the ability to be who he wants to be in our lives. So if you're taking notes, the object of our faith determines our feelings and our outcomes. And this is really important right now because we live in a time where we're all about the feels, right? Some of you are like, what do you mean? It's your feelings, your emotions. Well, I don't feel close to God right now. I don't feel close to my neighbor. I feel disconnected from my family. I feel disconnected from my church family. 
We hear all of these things in a given year and especially at Christmas because in many ways this is a season that can expose and bring into the light the areas that maybe yet aren't his. Areas that actually do begin to push on our feelings and emotions. And that's why I think a day like today is so important because we need to, to remind ourselves that, it, that feelings aren't the focus That when Jesus is the object of our faith and the focus, that our feelings will follow. You there? And that with those feelings following, we all ultimately recognize that our faith is in his ability. His ability to meet us in a storm. His ability to move us where he wants to move us. His ability to deliver the results that aren't dependent on us Because if we're honest, if we're the object of our faith, we're in trouble. And if you haven't realized that, you're even in more trouble. (laughs) Two more things with this idea. Faith is not a feeling, but it does change our feelings. It changes our feelings because it begins to get our eyes off of ourselves, off of our abilities, off of our situations, our storms, and it gets our feelings our our belief back where it needs to be. In fact, if you read on in John chapter 6, you guys don't have a slide for this, uh, so don't, don't panic. In verse 29, the disciples are asking the question, what is our work? What is the work that we're called to do? And and actually, what, what he says is your work is to believe in him who was sent. Say believe. It's to believe that, that actually when we have belief in Jesus and what he can do and what he's showing us, that's when faith begins to be exercised. And that belief and that faith changes our feelings and our emotions. Secondly, faith cannot be seen, but it does become known by our actions. Think about it. In Hebrews 11, it talks about faith it cannot be seen. It's in the unseen. So we can't see faith, but we definitely can see the result of faith. Because faith is not just what we believe vertically about God. Faith is what we believe that begins to be lived out in our lifestyle. So, if you think over the last week, there may be moments where God's saying, listen, like I, I want to bring into the light that you're not living by faith. I mean, that, that was my Wednesday morning. Did you all catch that? Like, you ever got slapped upside the head by God? Nobody else? I'm a knucklehead. He hits me, like, with the Holy Spirit. Sorry, like, you're like, does he literally, like, punch the pastor? Uh, no, it's, it's the Holy Spirit that through his word and sometimes through other believers will illuminate something that cuts to my core and helps me to see that, uh, hey, you, you can't even get up and preach on faith, Pastor Brian, if you don't deal with this this week. And God began to deal with me and began to work on me. I told our team backstage, this one's been through the wine press. I've been pressed this week. So I don't know what that looks like for you, but I know what it has looked like for me is that there's some things that God is saying, I want you to follow me by faith on this. I want you to trust me. I I want you to, to believe that I have the outcome in hand. So what does that look like in your life right now? 
Where are the areas where you know what God wants you to do? He's, he's shown you to trust him, that, that he's saying, hey, let, let me in the boat. Let me take the row. Let me, let, me, let me start rowing for you. Let me have my way. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your singleness. Maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with your grandkids. Maybe it's with our church. I don't know what it is, but where is that place where God is saying, will you by faith, trust me and allow your actions to begin to show it. Sometimes we have to take a step of faith and take action before we feel it or before we see the results. Aren't you glad that, that God doesn't tell us everything he wants to do? Like, seriously. If God told you everything he had planned and everything he would, wants to do in and through your life, you would be so overwhelmed that you would probably curl up in your Snuggie and turn on the Hallmark Channel and try to rock yourself to sleep. Anybody? Some of you have been doing this. God's calling you out into the light, okay? I mean, that's the beauty of a life of faith is we take a step and God meets us. We take another step, God answers, and God keeps revealing more and more of what he has. There's actually a, a gentleman in scripture, Nicodemus, if you'll turn to John 3, this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time today, that, that has a life of faith that unfolded that sometimes we can miss, and there's so much that is instructive here that I, I'm just, it, it's come alive in a new way for me uh, this, this Christmas season. So in John chapter 3, picking up in verse 1, it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So he's a religious leader, he's a ruler. It says, This man came to Jesus by night. I'll date myself again. This is Nick at night. <laughs> Cheesy jokes work, I guess. <laughs> So Nick comes at night because he's afraid, because he's scared, because he doesn't want to be seen in the light of day because of his position and his status in society. But there's something stirring in him. There's something beginning to work by faith, and he comes at night to talk to Jesus. He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless... One is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? It's a logical question, right? It's the first time that we'll really begin to see this idea of being born again. It's so important and it's central to our faith and to how this all begins. Jesus answers, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So Jesus is laying out to him this reality that that the Spirit moves in ways that we cannot predict, that we are to be born again to be a part of the kingdom of God, that when the Holy Spirit begins to tug on a heart, that's the Spirit beginning to bring us to this new birth, to this place where we confess Jesus, we repent, and we go a new way. As we go that way, he fills us with his Spirit 
And we are now children of God, redeemed and now being restored as we walk with him. Can I get an amen? Amen. Nicodemus then says to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. Again, this is illuminating the, uh, the role that faith takes in following Jesus and receiving this new birth and walking as a part of his kingdom. It says, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, there's so much good news in what we're seeing here, and we're going to get to that in a second, but I want to tell you about this guy Nicodemus, because this is a moment where his faith begins to be shown by action. He came to Jesus, and it begins to grow. He'll move from the cover of night into the light with his faith in the book of John. John chapter 3, if you're taking notes here, uh, first, the, uh, the faith is strengthened in our defining moments with Jesus. Nicodemus is having def- a defining moment with Jesus where Jesus is also defining some things. And this is really important for us to understand because we can view sometimes crises, we can view difficulties as maybe something that isn't used by God, but in fact can become a defining moment if our faith finds Jesus in the boat and begins to respond to him. Amen? I mean, this is how faith grows is through these defining moments. And so as we look at Nicodemus, there's this progression of his faith and how it grew. Uh, The first is, and we can't miss it here in verses 1 through 15, our faith grows by coming to Jesus. And for some of you, that's what God is doing right now. He, He may be calling you to him for the first time. He may be calling you back to him for the second or the 200th time. I don't know. But faith begins by God's spirit. The theological term is his prevenient grace drawing us. It's his sovereignty that begins to work and move, and the Spirit draws us. And as the Spirit gives birth to Spirit, then we're coming to Jesus. As we come to Jesus and find him, that's when our faith journey really begins. Now, again, for Nicodemus, this wasn't the only moment. I love that Scripture gives us some glimpses of how his faith grew. The second one is in John 7, and this is where our faith grows by speaking up for Jesus. Uh, Now, he's out from under the cover of night. There's a debate about what we should do with this Jesus among the religious leaders. And and Nicodemus speaks up, even though it could invite, in the light of day, persecution, ridicule, and even potentially a removal of his religious office. John 7, verse 50 to 52, we see it. It says, Nicodemus, who had gone to him before, right? Same guy that went to him before, it says, And who is one of them said to them, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. So he speaks up, he gets rebuked. And again, this is where faith is not a feeling, okay? 
Our feelings sometimes get hurt too easily. Anybody else a little fragile these days? Okay? Faith is not a feeling. Faith faces some of these things and continues to trust God. Nicodemus had a moment where they're like, you know, kind of coming against him. But he still spoke up by faith. Now, he came to Jesus, he spoke, and then he's going to take action is the third time. By, our faith grows by acting on behalf of Jesus. When he begins to show us something that we're to act on and we obey, our faith is seen but also grows. John 19, verse 38 to 40, Jesus has been crucified. He's now dead. And it says this, After these things, Joseph of Aramea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body, Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night. He came bringing a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about 75 pounds in weight. So he's now putting his, his faith into action by bringing not just of his, uh, I mean, he's bringing resources to help give a proper burial to Jesus. It says, so they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. So he came to Jesus, he spoke up to Jesus, for Jesus, and he acted be on behalf of Jesus. Can you see what we're unwrapping today? That there's a life of faith God calls us to. That as we come to Jesus also means that we live in a world and that he's going to ask us to speak up. To speak up the truth in love. And Lord knows our, our world needs truth and love right now. Amen? And, and as that faith grows in us, we're able to speak up. We're also able to begin to act and to use our resources and what he's given us to make a difference in the ways Jesus is asking us to. These are defining moments. These were Nicodemus's. I'm sure that if you haven't had yours yet, they might be unfolding even now, where God's spirit begins to tug. Going back to some definitions and to understand what he was saying to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, we, we, I want to define three key words or phrases that were used in there by Jesus and about this life of faith. So what did Jesus define for us that is meant to define us? What did he define for us that's meant to define us? The first is that we're to be born again. Chapter 3, verse 3. That, that actually we're to be born again, and we're born again when we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Spirit gives birth to spirit, and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and we're born again. We're a new creation. That is an incredible thing. That is bigger than, you know, having just church in our life. I don't know if I've said this in a while, but you, you can have church and not have Christ. You can have church and miss Jesus. You, you, can, you can, like, enjoy services or not enjoy them, for that matter. You can be around and still miss this new birth that Jesus offers us to be born again, which is an individual decision to receive Jesus and to be born again. Secondly, Jesus talked extensively about the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, verse 3, we see him say you have to be born again to be the kingdom of God. They were waiting on a coming king. They were waiting on someone. This is again why Jesus 
came and, and he establishes a new kingdom. The, the word in the ESV translation, which is the primary translation we're using right now on Sundays, uh, more than 120 times does Jesus use the word kingdom, kingdom of God, or kingdom of heaven. It's what he taught. Because when we're born again, we're now a part of the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom, you ask? Well, it's God's reign and rule in and through his redeemed and restored and rescued people. He establishes the kingdom in our heart. You see, to be born again is to recognize that Jesus is Savior. To be a part of the kingdom of God is to recognize that he's Lord, that he's the king. In fact, after the Gospels throughout the rest of the New Testament, often what is seen by the early church is declarations of Jesus is Lord. Because they knew to say Jesus is Lord, I believe they, they knew it meant he's king, and we're a part of his kingdom now. Thirdly is this idea of eternal life. Eternal life, Jesus says, is found when we're born again, when we believe that we won't perish, that we receive Jesus. And what that means is he steps in and he gives us life and life abundantly. In the New Testament, it's the Greek word often, most often used for life is Zoe. Say Zoe. Zoe is the life of God. This life that is given to you and I that, that begins to flow. And then we, we sit in this now and not yet reality. That we've got a taste of this Zoe life, the now, the eternal life that he has for us. And then the not yet is we're waiting on his return. We're waiting on his return. But there's this eternal life that he offers us. These things, if we unwrap Christmas, are to define us. These are to be things that, that motivate our faith and lead us forward by faith. Because we're born again, because we're in a new kingdom, because we have eternal life. And we live these things by faith and share them with everybody around us. Come on, church. This is what is meant to define us. This is what the greatest gift revealed is, is this faith in Jesus. C.S. Lewis said, The Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. That Jesus came, when we celebrate his birth, we have to understand where it's all headed, what the vision is, what, who he is. He came so that we could become sons and, yes, daughters of the Most High. So this last bit is so important today. In verse 16 through 21, it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Isn't that interesting? You ever been in settings where it felt like everyone was condemning everything, judging everything? Jesus came to save. When he returns, judgment and condemnation is coming. As we wait on him, when Jesus shows up, He's there to save. He's there to redeem. He's there to restore. Amen? It says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Say light. light. 
This is so important. We're going to look at what light does. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. If you're taking notes, faith in Jesus leads to a life lived in the light. A life lived in the light. I want you to just take a moment. I want to illustrate this for you as best as I can. If you look at the screens, this is what they're seeing online. This is what you're seeing in here. Jesus looks at you and I, and he says, I love you. I've came so that you could know me. I see you right where you're at. I see you in all of your sin. I see you in the darkness. I see you in the storm. I see you in the chaos. I see you in the pain. I see you in the hurt. I see you in the brokenness. I see you right now. And I love you enough that I came and laid down my life for you to offer you a life of faith, to offer you more than the world could ever give you. The world is competing for your attention, competing for everything. It's distracting and discouraging and taking you away from me and the things that I have for you. So will you receive me today? Whether it's for the first time or the 200th, like I said earlier. Will you come back to me? Will you let me in? Will you receive me in a way that says, this is a new season. This is new life. And see, as we do that together, there's something that happens. There's a moment where Jesus enters in and we're born again. We're now in his kingdom. And he says, I want you to turn and I want you to put me at the center of your life. I want you to now walk by faith. You're going to be tempted to get off the path, you know, to sidestep, to be distracted. But I want you to walk by faith. And every step you take by faith, I'm going to get clearer and larger and greater and more present in ways that you didn't even know possible. I've designed you to receive mercy and grace and hope and life and love and you've been looking for it in all of these places. And I'm the answer. And as you put me as the object of your faith in the middle, and as you walk into that, I believe that he has so much more for each of us. But we've got to bring it into the light. We've got to come into the light where Jesus is. So where are you at today? What is Jesus showing you that you need to bring forth into the light? I'm going to ask a couple of next step questions. And then I want to lead us in a time of prayer in response. How is your faith in Jesus leading your life? Or your feelings right now? Which one is leading the way? 
Are you ready to to come into the light, to put him at the center and to really follow him? Secondly, is there anything you need to bring into the light today? An area of darkness, an area of brokenness, an area where nobody knows, but if you bring it to Jesus, he can begin moving. And then third, have you received Jesus? Have you been born again? Our team is going to come out, and often we have this response time. This is a time where, you know, the altars, the the kneeling benches are open. The, The whole front, all this space is here. So we can step closer to Jesus. And today what I'm going to do is I, I'm going to offer a chance. There's no magical prayer, but there's a prayer of confession that we can pray together. That if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never received what he offered, his death on the cross, his resurrection, if you've never received that forgiveness and mercy and grace, If you've never come into that light, we want to give you the opportunity to pray to receive Jesus today. Some of you, you've prayed it, but you've been away for a while. Maybe, in fact, you know that you got off that path, that you had turned around and you were headed towards Jesus at one point, but that life of faith has got distracted. And he's calling you back to draw close to him. You can pray this prayer with me too if that's you today to recommit. After we've prayed, I'm gonna just pray over all of us because wherever you're at with Jesus today, there's likely something he wants to bring into the light. And what I don't wanna do is see any of us just sit on it and just say, well, there's always next year because we don't know. We don't know. When the Spirit's moving, By faith, we need to respond. And he wants to lead us down a pathway to become more like him, to become more Christ-like, more holy, more shaped into the image of Jesus. So if you've never prayed this prayer, whether you're online or here in person, or if you want to pray to recommit your life to Jesus, let's just bow our heads and you can repeat after me. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you came, that you died, that you rose again, that you offer me forgiveness of sins, and you offer me new life in you. Today, by faith, I come into the light to receive all that you have for me, Jesus. I desire to be born again and to follow you in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. If you just prayed that, whether it was for the first time or to recommit, if you're online, our host has something for you to connect with you. If you're here in person, I wanna encourage you that all of heaven is celebrating and we wanna celebrate with you too. You can come forward and talk with somebody. You can come out to our welcome center. You definitely need to fill out the U card in front of your chair to let us know because we want to follow up. I'm going to ask that all of us stand. And as we go into this song, you know 
what he's pointing out today. And what I again want to encourage us to do is to be a people that responds by faith. So whatever the decision is that you need to make today, whatever it is you need to bring into the light, this is your time, this is your space. We can flood the front of this room and come into the light, amen? So let's use this time to respond and to walk by faith because that is the greatest gift, is the faith we have in Jesus. And he's in the light and he's on the move, amen? Amen. The space is open. The altars are open. If you're the type, you're intellectually trying to work through all those curiosities you've had and you're waiting for those to be proven, you're going to wait your entire life. It's only by faith we believe. We believe the things that seem impossible, seem unreasonable, that are a mystery. But God can bring that grace to support that faith. And it's a beautiful divine transaction with him. I promise you, he is worthy. I promise you, he is who he says he is. So let's by faith, let's sing this together.
forsake us when we follow him by faith each step backstage I'm doing like a I don't know what I was doing I was like back and forth and I'm like like that's it God says move we move God says step forward we move it's just a life of faith and it's a much greater adventure than anything we could plan on our own so I hope today if you found life in Jesus by faith for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. If you've recommitted, we want to celebrate with you. If you've decided that you're going to follow by faith and there's some stuff that you need to step out of, let Jesus into the boat, come into the light, let me encourage you that this is a moment that will define the rest of your life. These defining moments that Jesus gives us when we say yes and amen, change our life and the life of everybody around us. So Father, we give you glory, we give you praise, we honor and celebrate what you are doing in our midst today. Father, I pray for each person that made a decision today, for the first timers to, to just sense from head to toe that they have been made new and born again in you. For those that have recommitted to sense your grace and mercy washing over them, your peace. And for all of us to walk forward boldly in a faith that is growing. Father, use us to be the church you've called us to be. May we love you and love all people in our pathway this week. 
And may we share the gift of faith with others. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. If you're a visitor, please come out to our Welcome Center. We have a gift for you. If you'd like prayer and you weren't able to step forward, we'll stay here and available. Have a great week. Go now and be the church.